Again, here we are back on the Hoffcast train. This is episode 106. Still missing episode 100 for those of you keeping score at home. And it is what do we got? We got August 15th, a month. A month has gone by since my comedy special has been released for free on YouTube. If you haven't seen it yet, pause this and go check that out. Give it a review, uh, give it a rating, and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Or, well, subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully, you are. You're listening to it, uh, but also subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be posting more uh, from the summer tour on there. It's been a month, and where are we sitting right now? What 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 are we looking at here? Um, it's been out for a month. I've been, uh, you know, I've been really happy with uh, with the response that it's gotten. You know, aside from a few <laughs> a few trolls out there, um, but let's see. It, it, it's just under a month because, uh, yeah, it was. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, Look up, see what it's at right now. 36,000. That's great. 36,000 views. And uh, so, yeah, that's I'm pretty pumped about that, you guys. Uh, thank you for everyone that's checked it out, for everyone that's shared it and, and let people know about it. You know, keep keep doing that. Keep pressing it out there because it's it's doing well. Um, 36,000, nothing to sneeze at. And uh, a little over 800 likes. A uh, bunch of comments, some great, some not terrific, but that's okay. You know, you're gonna get, you're gonna get the trolls. Haters gonna hate. That's what they say. Haters gonna hate. And you know what? I think that means you're doing something right. If if you're eliciting a response that angers people, I think, uh, I think that's uh, a good sign. You know, because if people were apathetic and they didn't care, they wouldn't take the time to sit there and log in to YouTube and write something negative you know so there's at least a handful of people out there that i'm ruffling some feathers um and i know i know you guys i know i know you're not supposed to read the comments okay i know it i know it but you know what are you gonna do i i got time <laughs> i got time I was very heavily invested in uh the response that this was getting so of course of course i'm gonna see most of the comments Ooh, I say most. I see them all right now. Like it hasn't tipped to the point. Come more shares, and it could tip to a point where I might not see them all. But right as of right now, 119 comments. I've seen them all. Okay, that's three a day. I can read three comments a day. By the way, if you haven't commented on it but you've seen it, go back in and comment on it. Leave something that all helps the algorithm. It all helps everything. Every time you search for it, it's good. Uh, you know, YouTube looks at that and they say, "Oh, this is uh, this is of interest to people." And uh, text it to a couple people. Take it, take it, and uh, here's the best way to share it. Uh, either email, either copy the link and email it to people, but texting is a great way because that's just clickable, right? They can just click on it and boom, takes them right to it. So text it to like five people that like to laugh and say, hey, watch this, scroll through it, you know, subscribe to the guy's channel. And if you laughed, just, you know, text it to five other people that like to laugh. That's oof, oof. You know, People make fun of pyramid schemes, but this is what I need. This is the social media, you know, thing that I need. I need that to be a pyramid scheme, which, yeah, you could say, well, this is stupid. Like, pyramid schemes suck because everybody, you know, you got somebody on top of you and, and you're making them money. But listen, here's the thing. You're not, this is costing you nothing. 
nothing, but uh, you'll be the envy of everyone because they'll say, thank you for sharing this with me. How can I ever repay you that you, that you shared this amazing uh, comedy? With me, unless you're one of the five that uh, is not appreciating my comedy. Um, you know, and you you read the comments, nine out of, you know, there's 119, I think, f- a handful of them are are not nice. And, you know, so you look at it, it's like, you know, most of them, 25, 24 out of 25 of them are very nice and complimentary, and then one out of 25 is not kind. And you look at that and you go, that's a 96% batting average. You're doing great. Well, it would be 960 in the majors, okay? They they do them that way. But, like, you're batting nine. It's a 96% success rate. That's a solid A. It's not quite an A+, plus, but it's a solid A. Like, 96 in school, people are like, hell yeah, killing this class. Uh, but But when it comes to comments on YouTube, it you know, the four dig at you. You go, what's this? What's the four percent problem? What the hell is with these guys? Why, why, why don't they like me? What's going on with these? Why, why do they hate me so much that they feel the need to take the time to write a review? And one, one person had watched. She's like, she made a comment on the last joke, the final joke of the whole special. So she watched. She sat there and she watched a sixty-eight minute special, and then had something. Bad to say. An hour and eight minutes you sat down and watched, and then that's your takeaway? Like, if you stuck around for an hour and eight minutes, and one guy was like uh, 30 minutes in and this and this and this, he's a hack. You watched for 30 minutes not enjoying something? What kept you glued for 30 minutes? Like, oh, my goodness. If I watch something and seven minutes in, I'm like, this stinks. I turned it off. What are you doing? So there's something there. There's something to get them to keep watching and then and then throw hate but it's the one asshole that sticks you know it's you do comedy and and you have a room of 300 people at a comedy club and and one person's not laughing you fixate on that one person you go what the hell's this person's problem like in my head i am fixated on that one person that looks like they're having a miserable time everybody else is laughing you're still doing the material you're you're uh you know you're but for that minute, you're not present because you are thinking, what the hell is this person? Well, I guess you're present, but you're like focusing on that one person rather than the other 299 that are actually getting something out of what you're saying. But you're so fixated on that one person. Like, why? everybody came here to have a good time. Why is that person uh, so set on being miserable? Like, what? And I think... You know what? I think it's the internet that does this to us. I don't know if people were like this pre, you know, I it's it's hard for me to remember what the world was like before 1995 at least in terms of reading people cuz I was a kid. I was a kid, you know, so I didn't necessarily understand, okay, that's what's wrong with this person or or this person's not having it. I don't think I picked up on people's uncomfortability. Uh, at that point, you know, I was so in my own head. I think that's what you are um, when you're growing up. You're just kind of focusing on yourself. You don't. You might not even notice if your best friend, unless they're like outwardly crying, you might not notice that they're having a bad day. Um, the hell was I talking about here? Um, reading the room. What was the? What the hell was I saying? Why did I get off on that tangent? You because you're not. The hell was I saying? I don't know. It's the one person that sticks. Then oh yeah, it's like. Why would you be so intent? I think people, like, there's something that they get off on 
to not be happy, like not allowing themselves to be happy. Like, like they, their, their personality is such that they're like, this is who I am. And if I'm happy, go lucky and I'm laughing and I'm letting go of my problems, then that somehow invalidates all those other times that I was upset about something like I can't allow this to undermine the person that I've been establishing myself. And if that's you, holy hell, dude, like get over yourself and make a decision. I always say this to my wife. I don't know what it is, but when I don't know if there's added stress or something like we never go out on dates. We do. But like I say, never as hyperbole, like we rarely go out on dates uh, where we get a babysitter and have them come in because, you know, I'm gone a lot of weekends. It just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like we can put the kids to be- bed and, like, order in food or something. That's kind of how we do it. But sometimes we go out, and it almost never fails. When that's happening, uh, we will get in a fight or something will be bothering one of us. And I largely I think it's just because I don't know if she's stressed that she's about to leave the kids with somebody that we don't really trust <laughs> that we're paying uh, to hopefully, you know, keep the kids safe. I, I don't know if it's that or if it's the fact that like maybe I don't want to go out because I, I go all the time uh, to comedy clubs and stuff to work like that's my job. So maybe I don't want to. do I don't know what it is. There's something unspoken and we normally get into a little bit of a test. And then there's a moment, usually on the car ride to the restaurant, where I am in my head and I'm like, am I going to be a pain in the ass the rest of this night? Like, I could I could dig in my heels and I could be mad and I could be upset. And, and usually it's like I try and think back to what I'm upset about and rarely can I point that it's her that's bothering me. Usually it's something unspoken, something like inside of me like whether i uh, i'm disappointed that uh this club booker never got back to me or um you know i was hoping to get this and this and this done today but i didn't like usually it's that and if i can't pinpoint it even if i can i'm just like am i going to you know we go out to dinner once every couple of months like am i really going to ruin this one night just so that i can hold on and justify the feeling that i had like how much time we waste uh just hanging on to something just so we can uh, feel good about the fact that we were upset and and we can we can uh, it validates that feeling if we hang on to that anger. But instead, just say, you know what, that anger is not going to define me. It's not going to it's not going to uh, be who I am because I don't that that wasn't fun. I was upset. And yeah, I was upset. That is valid, but let's get away from that. Let's move on. So I make a conscious decision. Like, I'm not going to let, you know, I'm just going to turn the page. I'm just like, whatever mess was was on the floor there, I'm just going to leave the room. And I'm going to look at this new room and say, hey, this room's not messy. Like, forget about it. Like, whatever. And people, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> Nick, that's, uh, that's textbook burying your emotions. And... Yeah, but not, uh, you know, it would be different if this were like a deeply embedded thing. But usually it's just I'm upset about something shallow. I'm upset about something that's just very surface area. And why let that ruin your like, even if it is something deep, why let that ruin a perfectly good time? Like deal with that crap when you're on the toilet. Deal with that those feelings when you're in the shower or something when you're not going to bother anybody. Like figure that out and then find a way to move forward from it. And you know what? Feelings, 
you know, you can you if you decide to move on from them, then it's not really a problem unless that you're going to let it fester. But that's exactly the opposite of what I'm doing. I'm not going to let it fester. I'm going to move forward. So that's what I'm going to do with the haters on the Nick Hoff front to back comedy special free on YouTube. Watch it again today. Uh, and watch all the ads. Don't skip the ads. I'm finally getting paid on this stuff. And, and don't think that I'm like getting you know fat and giggly on it. Like make sure you subscribe and watch videos once daily. <laughs> and don't uh, and, and don't skip the ads. But let let that thirty second commercial play through so people you know YouTube says okay he gets credit for that one. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna let these negative YouTube comments fester. I kind of responded, said my piece, and I you know you win those exchanges. If you don't check back in on them, you win. <laughs> you know, just respond and then turn off your computer for a while. Um, so whatever. But you know what it's taught me? What uh, what people being critical of my uh, comedy has taught me is to be less vocally critical of art in general. And, um, you know, because I think that's people's instinct is to watch a movie and you walk out. And, you know, immediately we've all been trained to be critics. Like, what, did we like it? Yeah, we loved it. Or, oh, did we hate it? Oh, I hated it. Hate it. What a piece of crap that was. Um, you know, we've all been trained to be that way. And I'm trying to be less, you know, less critical of things. Like, I watched I watched one of the new releases recently. I'm not going to say the name because I'm trying to be less critical. But it really bummed me out how bad it was. I was really looking forward to this movie, and then it just bummed me out. And I, my instinct was to go on social media and talk about it and, or even talk about it on this podcast and say something about it, maybe write a joke about it. But then I was like, you know what? Those people tried. The people that were making the movie, they tried. They didn't, you know, set out to make a crappy movie. If they asked me how I could improve, that's what I'd really like to do. If they asked me how I could improve the movie, I, I'd really like to do that. Like, I'd really like to do that with it, the new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out. I mean, I know they already shot it, but, I mean, I'd like to be in the focus group that could say, hey, you know, this and this and this. But I trust James Mangold. He he, he uh, booked me in one of the commercials that I was in, in a Samsung spot. And I remember him in there and... And uh, and I didn't know who he was at the time, but then when uh, when I got booked for it, I looked him up, and he, he's like the director of the Johnny Cash movie, Walk the Line. He did Logan and Wolverine, like uh, Ford vs. Ferrari. So he's he's directed some of the biggest names, and he directed me in that. So I trust, I trust that he's going to do well with Indiana Jones 5. And so I'm not going to be critical of things, at least not outwardly, like inwardly critical, but not outwardly, because, you know, people don't deserve that. People don't deserve uh, that kind of negative feedback. You know, if you, if you can't say something nice, shh, say nothing. I feel like they forgot to tell critics <laughs> about that. And and so many of us has become that because you get so much more attention from saying something negative. Like I, I found out, I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but like Facebook and all those social media platforms, they prioritize things that are uh, controversial and that have negative, you know, comments and stuff because that's what gets the interaction. That's what people gravitate toward. I used to have a joke that I did twice, like, you know, millions of people go to Disney World every single year and nobody cares to see the pictures. Then one kid gets eaten by a crocodile and everybody click, 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 click. Like, you know, we want negativity. We want sadness. I don't know what that is about people that are watching shows about murder and death and that that's just all they do. Like, what a negative headspace to be in. I avoid those. 
And I'm not saying anything about the, the 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 way they made the art. I'm just saying that genre in general. I'm just like, I don't want to feel that way. I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to leave that messy room. And I'm going to go to a room that I prefer. You know, one with bright colors and, and shiny objects because that's who I am. So... Anyway, long, long way to say thank you for those of you who've watched the special. If you haven't watched it, Nick Hoff, front to back on YouTube, get on there. Say something nice for the love of God. You know, click the like and the subscribe button, and I'll, I'll try and keep you entertained with videos. Uh, we are back. The Hoth Tour is back in Los Angeles, back on the West Coast. Uh, we got back um, middle of last week, and I was pretty much the last man standing. It was me and the... Little girl are the only ones that didn't get sick there in that last week. And, you know, you go out on the road for six, seven weeks, you expect somebody to get ill, but, like, three of them fell. And right toward the end, they got sick. And, um, yeah, like, all of them had, like, strep throat or ear infections, some some form of that thing. And uh, And I somehow avoided it. Somehow... My dirty habits of being out there and shaking people's hands and going face-to-face at meet-and-greets and stuff, like, somehow that has evolved me into being some sort of, like, super germ repellent. Like, nothing gets inside me and affects me anymore. It's like I, I just got, like, uh, you know, I don't know, vinegar running through my veins that just as soon as something hits it, it just separates, just pushes it back. I, I didn't do well in science. I'm not sure. Like water and vinegar, that that's a thing, right? It repels each other, oil and vinegar, something like that. Anyway, last man standing. I, you know, I go out there, I'm like a super sponge for, for sickness. And so as a result, I think my immune system must be just robust. A robust immune system because I'm out there and I'm with the people. I'm out there getting my fingers dirty and licking them and licking my fingers, not... Uh, whatever. Anyway, you guys know what I mean. So still all good. Uh, wife's on antibiotics, so she's doing that whole song and dance. Hopefully she'll be right as rain in new, no time. Um, sorry, by the way, for the people uh hit me up about Seattle. I had to cancel that show because of people in my house getting sick because we... We were traveling together, and we were going to make it up there, but then everybody uh, came down with varying degrees of illnesses, and we just was too much of a stretch. So I had to cancel that show. So I feel bad about that, but hopefully I'll be back up to Seattle uh, sooner than later because I got a whole bunch of new stuff. So, you know, sometimes you got to just cancel things and take care of the family. But that that stinks for you guys, and it stinks for me too because, you know, I, I didn't get to do the show. I didn't, I didn't get to make the money. Um so that hurts. That's a that's a weird thing about stand up is you don't get like paid sick leave, right? Independent contractor. That's the thing that stinks about that is first of all, you don't you don't get like standard insurance through your company. You either have to earn it through like sometimes I get it through um the Screen Actors Guild or something like that if I shoot some commercials in a given year. Um uh but a lot of times you gotta like figure it out on your own, like what level of coverage you need and all that stuff. And um and you don't get sick leave. You don't get any of that crap. So if I don't do a show, I don't make money, and that's kind of a crazy world. I guess that makes sense then why I'm like you know a super repeller for germs because otherwise, otherwise it'd be garbage, and I, I'd be missing shows all the time if I were just like you know an ordinary person that uh, goes around and washes their hands all the time and then never gets exposed to the super germs. I always hated people that pronounced it germ. What are you doing? It's germ. 
It's germ, jackass. It's not gackass. Like, what are you doing? Germ. I, I've known a couple people who pronounced it germ. I had a I had a junior high or high school health teacher that tried to convince me it was shanker sore. Like, I know the guy just mispronounced it. And I was like, isn't it canker sore? And they're like, nope, you can say shanker. I'm like, I don't think you can. <laughs> I've never, ever heard anybody else say shanker sore. But actually, you know what? How to pronounce can I don't even know how to spell it. Canker sore. Let's see if we can do it. Oh, here we go. So C H A N C R E spelled it right. How do you s- Oh god. Oh wait, hold on. Oh god, really? Wait a second. Is that real? Holy crap, did I just make fun of something that I'm wrong about? Hold on. Listen, let's see if you can hear this. Let me turn this all the way up. Man, that was a computer. I don't. Wait, I I don't know if we're gonna believe that. That's how to pronounce canker. Let's see. This is a different one. Let's see. That one was shanker. Shankery. Shankery. What? Shankery. Come on. There's no way. Uh, better hope you don't have this. Somebody said, "How is that?" Wait, this person. Put that up. It has 32,000 views. <laughs> I mean, it's seven years, okay? It's not quite my special. <laughs> oh, that is a pain in the ass. That That's 218,000 subscribers, and that's what they put up on YouTube. How is that shankery? How to pronounce canker? Real life examples. Hold on. Let's see if this is better. Why is it so hard to figure this out? Something is that? Oh, my God, they said shanker. Oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> Have I been saying it wrong? Is it not canker sore? Is it shanker sore? And my health teacher, I, I owe him an apology, I think, because I don't think I, I mean, I questioned him there, but ever since he said that, I kind of dismissed everything else he ever said after that. I was like, this guy doesn't know anything. Oh, I'm an asshole. Okay, so there I am. You know, chalk it up on the big board. Hoffy's been proven wrong. Twenty minutes into this, into this episode, I'm just a dickhead that doesn't know how. Okay, Shanker. So from now on, I'm gonna say Shanker, and we're gonna see how many eyes I get. I, I mean, I say it once a year when my kids start eating sunflower seeds again, and they get a Shanker in their mouth. They go, "Oh, it hurts," and I'm like, "Yeah, you got a canker sore." But now, Shanker sore. Oh, I still don't know if I believe it. Like, what dictionary.com is that? Is that how you find dictionary.com? I, I don't know if I believe this. Shanker? Really? Shanker? Hold on. Do I know a doctor in my phone that I can call? Shanker. The initial, let's see. Shanker. That's it. Shanker. Oh, I'm a dickhead. Okay. So, I don't know how I got on Shanker Sores, uh, but uh, there it is. <laughs> Oh, I feel like an idiot now. Anyway, you guys already knew that. Um, anyway, yeah, watch watch the special. Pronounce it Shanker. All the the whole deal. Uh, maybe be, that'll be the title of my new album. Oh, by the way, yeah, album. The album is released too. So if you guys want to purchase the album, you can get it on iTunes or Amazon. Nick Hoff, front to back, and I think the audio only version is front, and then the number two, and then back. I think when I 
set that up because the special on YouTube is just front to back, T-O back. And then the and then the audio one is front two, the number two back, because I was like saying, OK, this is my second album. It'll be a fun little play. And then uh, the next one, you know, I'll find a way to sneak a three in there uh, <laughs> so that everybody knows that they can collect the whole set and then they can number them there on their on their CD shelf or whatever. So pick one of those up if you want that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll raise that on the iTunes chart anyway. Uh, my last week of travel before the sickness was uh, in Kentucky. Had two shows in Kentucky with good old Larry the Cable Guy, and and the first one had also John Reap on it. Very funny comic. Uh, lives in South Carolina, something like that. Anyway, uh, we did those shows, and when we were like, I was coming out of Nebraska, so I just jumped on the plane with Larry, and he flies private, so you know when I go with him, it's it's kind of a nice little deal with. With uh, scheduling and what you get to do with all that, that's the nice thing about the the private life, but the it's a lot bumpier. It's a lot bumpier, so if you're an uneasy flyer like Larry and I, it's not ideal because uh, you feel every single one of those bumps. And then we were supposed to land in this tiny little airport in eastern Kentucky, and as we are coming in, you know, you hear the landing gear go down and you can see the ground coming underneath of us. And we're like, oh, yeah, there's the airport. Here we go. And uh, then all of a sudden we start to gain altitude again. And Larry looks over at me and he goes, are we taking back off? And I go, no, no, come on. And I look down and all of a sudden the ground's getting further away. And I'm like, wait, a yeah, we are. And then all of a sudden you hear the landing gear come back up. You go, well, maybe deer on the runway? I don't know. It's small town Kentucky, so I guess that's possible. Like, was nobody home to turn the lights on for us? What was going on? And so we kind of make this, like, big circle. And then all of a sudden the pilots turn around. And, you know, that's not a great sign, right? When the pilots turn around and they're going to, like, say something to you, you know, because you're just on a small jet. Like, you can see the pilots up there. You can see everything. They don't look panicked, but they turn around and the guy goes, hey, so uh, the hydraulics and the brakes went out. Uh, I can't remember if he said went out or aren't working. So we have to reroute to Lexington where they have a bigger runway and we can and we can get the plane stopped. And Larry and I look at each other just scared, just gutless flyers. And we're like, well, OK, but we're looking at each other like, what the hell? Brakes are out. Like what? the? That's all we heard is brakes are out. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're kind of freaking out and, uh, you know, we're texting people down on the ground like, hey, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I sent a panic text to my wife like, love you. Breaks are out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even know if it went through or not. Um, but we're texting people on the ground, letting them know that we got to reroute and all that because we got the show in like an hour and a half. And so now we're going to uh, Lexington. We're like, great, the brakes are out. You know, obviously the pilots don't look scared. That's the nice thing. If they had said that on a um, commercial flight, I might have been flipping out because you can't see anything. You just go, oh God, what what does that mean? What do they have to do? What are we? Are, are we just going to crash? Is that what's going to happen? They got a big net up there. What we just go on Lexington and we just end up in the trees somewhere? Like, how's this going to work? And uh, so we end up, you know, coming in and now we're both buckling up. He never buckles his safety belt on an airplane. I do every time. But like this time I'm double checking it, tightening it. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Coming in hot. 
and uh, and we come in and, they, and we're you know white knuckling it, just holding on to our seats, kind of nervous about it. And we land, and you hear the engine like kick on. I don't know if they like pumped it in reverse or what the heck they were doing, but uh, we stopped. And then like they kind of turn, you know. Thank God they stopped to use the whole runway, by the way. So I guess it was a good thing that we needed. Uh, that we went to the bigger runway, but we like they they stopped and they kind of turned and we started to go down like the little side runway and all of a sudden we stopped completely and they said, ah, well, now we have to get towed in because um, because the, the, we can't start up again. If we if we hit the gas, we've got no brakes to stop it because we used up all of our uh, I, I forget what he get, said, like he had some like compression tank that they can use in emergency services Um and so they had used all that. So now they have zero brakes. So now we have to get towed in. Otherwise, we'll just like coast into infiniteness. Um, so that was kind of weird to sit there on the tarmac for 10, 15 minutes while they brought this little golf cart out to tow us. <laughs> and I got a picture of it. I, I posted it, I think. It was kind of wild. But so we survived. We survived the uh, whole uh, plane malfunctioning. But then we had to like take a completely different plane. We had to drive to the next gig. We normally would have flown. Um, uh, we were freaking out, you know. We're we're the worst flyers, so the, you could have told like nine ninety nine out of a hundred people. You could have told that, and they'd have been fine. They never would have buckled up. They'd have just been back there reading their newspaper, their Wall Street Journal, or what have you. But Larry and I, very very nervous. But uh, we made it, and we and we uh, did the shows. Those were fun. The people of Kentucky are awesome. Second show, I almost screwed up because I, I thought we were in Michigan because the next night we had to go to Michigan for a show and. And, uh, so the second night in Kentucky, I knew, I thought we were in Michigan. And so I kept referring to Indiana as down there. And then about seven minutes after we're, uh, after being up there, I was like, wait a second. And in my head, I'm going, never mind. We're in, we're still in Kentucky. I, I gotta stop saying this kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't think people noticed, although they probably thought it was weird. I was referring to Indiana as down there. Uh, but, um, had fun shows, uh, met some great people, uh, so if some of you are listening to this, welcome aboard the Hofcast train. Uh, yeah, it's a slow moving train, but it's comfortable. You know, we're going to we're going to get you where you need to go. And it's going to take a little longer than it would if you were driving. But uh, hey, you ain't driving. So just sit back, relax, enjoy. Enjoy the view, my friend of the Hofcast. And um, I, I got some more, uh, but we're going to save it. We're going to save it for episode 107. Um, yeah, I've got some shows coming up, so make sure, make sure you check out nickhoff.com. We're going to have some new merch coming at you. Oh, I'm super excited. I got, oh, I've, I'm reinvigorated about merchandise because I just bought, I used to be obsessed with this band, The Matches, and obsessed is not the right word. I wasn't obsessed, but I really liked this band called The Matches. They put on these amazing live shows. They've got a brand new documentary out right now. It's called Bleeding Audio. And uh, spoiler alert, they didn't make it like they're no longer a band, but you can go back and listen to their catalog. Um, if you listen to like Yvonne Dahl or uh, Decomposer, the great songs, the dude wrote lyrics. It's not for everybody, by the way. It's not for everybody. It's kind of like a little bit jarring the first time you hear it. They, they don't have these catchy hooks all the time, uh, although some of their songs do. But like their lyrics, the dude was just a poet. 
I mean, he was coming up with all these clever ways to th- say things. So check out that. And um, really, really a great band. And, and, and this documentary details how they didn't quite, you know, make it over the hump. And some of it was their fault. Some of it was just like wrong place, wrong time. Like they were coming up right at the time when people stopped buying albums. They were just downloading and stuff like that. And they weren't quite ready to take advantage of the digital market, digital age, but they were a great band. Anyway, if you go on their website, they still have a couple of pieces of merch up that never, you know, got sold. So I ended up buying this awesome uh, poster art for a show that they had in Oakland back in 2014. It's signed by the whole band, and it's like he made it himself uh, through stencils and stuff like that. And they're only. I think it's numbered 25 out of 180. So it's a cool piece of art. I had it framed and all that. And it was, I mean, it was so cheap because uh, they're just trying to unload this stuff from this uh, band that no longer exists. So I, I, if anything's a Hoff recommends, it's that. Check out the matches. Check out their song, Life of a Match. I mean, if you grew up at all listening to pop punk music like Green Day and Blink-182, you're going to love the matches and salty eyes is a great song sounds sort of a little bob dylanish um uh let's see what uh, uh wake the sun wake the sun i think is a great song from them I- anyway decomposer what katie said all these are great songs and and the lyrics really pay attention to the lyrics cuz the guy says them in such a unique way it's really cool um but uh, it, it, buying that poster reinvigorated me on merchandise. I want to have some cool stuff to be able to get out to people on top of jokes, you know. Uh, I want you first to laugh, but if you laugh, I want also to take care of you, you know, give you a cool T-shirt or something uh, that you can wear al- along with pride. So going to be shelling some of that out. Uh, check out NickHoff.com for all my live dates. I'm going to be up in uh, Washington State, up near Spokane, a couple times here coming up uh, this Thursday the 18th I'm there with Larry at Airway Heights at Northern Quest Arena and then I'm going to be back there October 6th through the 9th and on the 9th I'm headlining Spokane Comedy Club so get those tickets now so it looks good for me uh, tickets are available on nickhoff.com I've got um see what else I got going on Fort Hall Idaho I got Venice California Marina del Rey uh Simi Valley California Seward Nebraska at the Bottle Rocket Brewing September 30th uh, get those tickets if you if you're in the Lincoln area or anywhere uh, Nebraska. Check out Bottle Rocket Brewing. You know, tell some people about that. That's going to be a fun show. Tickets have already started selling. Uh, then October 14th had to move the Sioux Falls date at Boss Comedy Club. So October 14th I'll be there. And then Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, back coming up back up to Canada in January. Tons of dates. Check it out. Check out Nick Hoff front to back on YouTube. Front T O back by the album. Whatever you got to do. You guys, I love you. Have a great week, and I'll catch you next time. Don't forget, whatever you do, to doom doom bit.